Hey, Jordan, what's up? How's it going? Hey, Rob, what's going on? Oh, I just had some lunch. Um, okay. Feeling uh, feeling pretty hopeful, you know? We've gone through some dark times over the last couple of years, right? Haven't we? It has. Uh, it's been quite the challenge. It has. Yeah. And uh, obviously the last week has been kind of a roller coaster. It's been a rough four years. It hasn't been a whole lot of positivity. We haven't had a lot of wins. But I think the tides are turning. You know, you got to hold on to the wins when you get them. And I think we've got some silver lining. Yeah. And I think the thing that I keep thinking about is just one more week, right? Mm -hmm. You got Mm -hmm. one more week. Obviously, he's been impeached again because of McConnell and his, uh, we showed last week how he was, you know, did reveal himself to be kind of a true American hero and patriot for, um, you know, going against this sort of, uh, insurrectionist rhetoric that uh, the president was spewing and some of his colleagues were uh, using to incite this violent mob. Um, But he did, uh, he refused to call an emergency session of the Senate. So we weren't able to remove Trump from office in the way I thought maybe that he deserved. But nevertheless, it is one week until Joe Biden takes over and just everything goes back to normal. It's all finished. (sighs) Yes, we beat fascism. Yeah. Yeah. Fascism, racism, white supremacy. It was a dark four years, uh, the only four years in American history when these things were very common and prevalent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it aged me a couple decades. But uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's, the keep, that's the thing I keep focusing on. Get through this week and then all the stuff just goes away. That's what I'm holding on to right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we're going to have some uh, competent leaders back in the White House. And I think the governance and stewardship that we saw – uh, the Democratic uh, elites guy uh, govern with in, in 2008, 2009, more of the same, which we all liked that, right? Yeah, absolutely. We loved it. Uh, there was no there was no negative repercussions to any of that. And, uh, you know, starting off uh, on the right foot with, as as promised, promises made, promises kept, $1,400 stimmy checks for everybody, as, what, as was repeatedly promised to everybody. That's you know? what I remember. Yeah, in the run-up to the Georgia uh, special elections, just time and time again, you heard the same phrase. If you vote for these two, if you vote in Warnock and if you vote in Ossoff, they take control of the Senate and you get a check for the remaining balance of the initially yeah. proposed amount that the Democrats had also walked back. And it's just, it just rolls off the tongue. I remember we were all excited about it. Everyone was excited about the prospects. We talked about it constantly. It's that number that we all very clearly agreed to and accepted as the as the the terms. And now here they are fulfilling their promise. $1,400. Uh, $1, yeah, yeah. Amer- America's saved. I cannot believe I'm like reading these comments and it's like they don't actually believe any of this dude they, they can't there's no way they can be like yeah this is good just ask for more why yeah. are you asking for more it's yeah. so bizarre <laughs> I know I know it's funny though weird yeah 
<laughs> okay. Hello. Hello and welcome, everyone. Uh, it's, it is The Insurgents. It's episode 54, and you've got Rob Rousseau here. Hey, Rob. That's Jordan Ewell is also here, uh, co-host of the show. Welcome. Welcome back, everybody. Listen, uh, we don't have a ton of time here. Uh, we went pretty mm-hmm. long with our guest, uh, three-time returning guest, Vanessa A.B., editor of Current Affairs. Um, we we talked to her about every, everything that's been going on over the last week. It's been a pretty fucking eventful week uh, with the aftermath of this uh, the stupid coup, the Capitol riots, whatever you want to call them, uh, Trump being impeached. Uh, all the potential consequences, all the the possibilities for how this could, uh, you know, break e- even worse, uh, how things could possibly maybe get better. We kind of went over everything with with Vanessa, so we don't want to we don't want to go too long with this intro here. Um, I, I, okay, here's the one thing that I had uh, written down that we didn't get to in this in this interview, uh, which I wanted to get to with you because this is if you've been following conservatives not just in the US but everywhere it's it's like a big part of the conservative playbook is to behave truly abhorrently and provoke some kind of a reaction and then retreat into this kind of like victimization uh, routine we've seen this play out time and time again throughout the Trump era and uh, the one that really sticks out in my mind was after the the stories started to break about the family separation policy on the southern United States border. There was that really just horrendous audio clip that was leaked of mm-hmm. these migrant children like crying for their parents that had been taken away, and these like fucking fascist, uh, you know, DHS or or the border patrol guys kind of mocking them, mm-hmm. and people were naturally extremely outraged by this. It was fucking revolting, and in in that kind of like outrage that week of kind of outrage at this at this policy sarah huckabee sanders was like politely asked to leave a restaurant at one point and then that became the 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 conservative line it was like oh look how how disrespectful and how disgusting the left is that they're they're asking sarah huckabee sanders to leave a restaurant can you believe that uh and then of course you have the media kind of falling into that that creating that that false equivalence uh, and the same media that had been kind of almost holding them to account a little bit uh, over this horrific uh, uh, immigration policy were then the very next week being like, how are people being too mean to Trump supporters? Like, you know, some people claim they are and some people claim they aren't. <laughs> this has been happening reg- regularly. It's, you know, it's it's a it's a hallmark of conservative politics for decades, but it's been happening with increasing regularity throughout the Trump administration. And I think that's the that's the really remarkable thing about this moment is that you see them kind of trying to go to that playbook again after after Donald Trump incited a mob of his fans and supporters who literally beat a police officer to death on the foot of the U.S. Capitol. And now you still, with the consequences that are coming down with that, conservatives, some conservatives being removed from social media websites, uh, including Donald Trump. The, the various other penalties that he's had to face because of this and the, the very natural kind of outrage that people have been feeling toward it. Now you see them re- retreating into this playbook again. And I, I can't help but feel, I want to believe that it's not going to work this time and that it's that people won't, you know, retreat into that same old pattern of, you know, allowing them to, to play this kind of like victimization uh, role and um, which just enables them even further. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah. that's that's the kind of thing that I'm struck by. Like, I feel like <laughs> maybe this time they maybe have pushed a little bit too far with some of this stuff uh, and that it's not going to work and that liberals won't immediately, you know, fall fall victim to this to this like bad faith uh, uh, reverse outrage cycle. What is your feeling on that? Do you think they're going to fall forward again or do you think they've do you think finally they might have gone too far and bitten off more they can chew with this? You know, so much of this is about the sensational and the aesthetics and and with a lot of these things it boils down to video um the the video of around the same time there's like a slew of these uh, and people getting run out of places and like ted cruz was run out of a restaurant with his wife and that was caught on video and there was another instance of Kirsten Nielsen being run out of a Mexican restaurant. And like time and time again, we got these news cycles. It's like, wow, the tolerant left just can't handle political differences. And sure, <laughs> you and I and other rational observers, our listeners, would would see like this is clearly bullshit. It's not about like being kind to people who just have differences of opinion. It, these are people who have their hands on like state-sanctioned violence. Like, they have blood on their hands. This is unbelievably cruel. You're going to scar these kids for life. You're making their lives immeasurably worse. And we're just like sticking up for them. And the the video of Ted Cruz garnered him getting run out of the restaurant garnered him a lot of sympathy because he's just like, oh, you're being mean to my wife. And like, <laughs> never mind that he's like just an unbelievably despicable person or. If he actually cared about how people treated his wife, he wouldn't have backed Trump because Trump explicitly criticized her appearance, mocked her, and just just was very disrespectful. Uh, and Ted Cruz turned around and licked his boots, made calls for him, and has defended him every step of the way. So it's not actually about how he treats his wife. It's just it's the spectacle. Here we have something that breaks from the norm. You know, we have on the other side, we have video of horrific violence we saw someone being beaten to death with a flagpole with the American flag on it. However on the feel about the, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> However you feel about the significance and the, and the, how the hallowed halls of Congress, like windows were broken. It was vandalized. That's like a, that's a liberal play. I do think there's enough there for people to just turn a blind eye to it for some people. Um, but all it's going to take is like one quick, action or swift maneuver to win back a lot of these 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 mainstream liberal types case in point when mitch mcconnell that day was hero yeah right when 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 they were certifying the votes and mcconnell was just like this is outlandish we just we don't we can't actually do this pretty basic stuff cleared a bar that was 20 feet underground literally breathing was all he needed to do and liberals and even like members of Congress, like Ro Khanna was tweeting out, that's why I'm proud to be an American. And it's just like, <laughs> dude, 48 hours before that, we were all like praising the Lord that he was no longer going to be majority leader because of how vile he was. And it just like, like that, they forget someone as despicable as Mitch McConnell. So in the immediate moment, sure, I think they're going to. Who's gonna, probably done significantly more than yeah. Donald Trump? Yeah, over to, over to the years, the social fabric of the United States. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I, maybe in the immediate aftermath, 
people might be more critical and unwilling to to fall prey to these crocodile tears but it's just it's <laughs> all it's gonna take is just a little sleight of hand and there you got him back you got him back in your palm uh yeah no i was just the reason i was wondering was because i just couldn't believe watching this impeachment proceeding uh play out and i mentioned a little bit of this in the in the interview with vanessa just how how conservatives were 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 drawing this false equivalency to the Black Lives Matter protests and the uprisings over the summer. And it's like, you can't really still do the Blue Lives Matter. Like, we love the cops so much, we're defending them, when literally, like, you're you're helping the person who incited a riot uh, that resulted in the murder of a violent, brutal murder of a police officer mm-hmm. um, on national television. Uh, and it's just amazing that they... They, they still, you know, despite that cognitive dissonance, uh, kind of retreat into that. And I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I feel like perhaps this is maybe a bridge too far uh, that's going to be a little bit difficult for them to come back to. But like you point out, people have pretty short memories when it comes to this kind of stuff <laughs> in the United States. And you can't really, you can never really like <laughs> underestimate the ability of the, the mainstream media in America to... Uh, launder a lot of the truly violent and horrible uh, people. So I think you're probably right that it will eventually bounce back. Yeah, of course it will. I just, I mean, just look at how they treated Bush. Bush was objectively a monster. And also probably now, worse than Trump in many yeah, ways. Absolutely. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of, of people are dead because of George Bush. And he is now reasonable. It's just, yeah. it's just time. Time heals all wounds and it just, it completely obfuscates uh, their analysis. So Who also just, not only attempted to steal an election, but legitimately did, did. steal yeah. one. <laughs> he did. <laughs> just said, he's fine. He's great. Because he gave Michelle Obama a piece of candy at a funeral. Yeah. Like the one place where like even the worst person knows you have to like be on your best behavior. It's just, oh, great. <laughs> Congrats. He's got, he's got the self-control of a toddler. That's great. Great. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, I, again, I mentioned this again, and we're going to get to our interview with Vanessa right after this, but I just mentioned this again, that I think that is one way that it is important, I think, and, and worthy the fact that they did impeach Donald Trump again. I think even though that tendency is always going to be there to try, like I always imagined, uh, throughout the Trump era that no matter what he did, he would end up getting rehabilitated. But that does seem to be like it, it, this seems like a little bit less likely than maybe it did two weeks ago. The fact that he now pushed this far and created this like horrible violent situation on his way out the door. Um, but you know, I have been proven wrong many times. Like you won't lose money betting on the, on the, the American <laughs> media and the sort of like political establishment, uh, rehabilitating the most vile uh, monsters. So who knows? Yep. Who knows? Well, there always has to be a new threat. Yeah. You know, that's, like, right. that's how they, that's how they keep the ratings up. Yeah. There has to be something new. Whereas you always have to live in fear. That's how you spoke hate Inc. did a really good job summarizing this. Like they just, yeah. you just have to keep building on it because if, if they're ever complacent, then they don't need you anymore yeah. and you, they need you to watch, uh, or they, they, they don't need the networks anymore to inform them because then they're, then they're fine. Everything's safe, but yeah. the networks need the viewers to survive. So they're just going to continue to drum up this sense of fear, uh, and, and, and viewers. So it keeps their business profitable. Yeah. Although, yeah, this is the only thing I'll, I'll add to this, which is that 
the, the other thing that makes this a little bit less likely that Trump's going to be rehabilitated in this way is the fact that he's he's taken so much time and effort to deliberately attack the media and make their lives miserable. And the fact that, you know, he literally endangered the lives of the elected officials that he kind of needs to participate in that kind of an image rehabilitation program. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Maybe <laughs> that that's the kind of interesting thing about this whole incident and this whole last week is that I really did kind of get the impression that he maybe finally overplayed his hand a little bit too much uh and that may actually lead to some some serious more serious consequences than what i was initially expecting um but let's uh let's let's put a pin in that let's bring on vanessa ab we had a really great conversation with her about all this stuff um and uh yeah that's all she's gonna be coming on the show right after this We are joined by three-time champion, returning guest, <laughs> Vanessa AB, editor at Current Affairs. Vanessa, I'm pretty sure you're not a gamer, if I remember correctly, but like, how how is it going? How's, how's your new year? Happy new year. What's Thank up? Thank you. Happy new year to you, too. It's going well. Um, I'm not a gamer, but I support all gamers in all of their endeavors. <laughs> gamer ally. Yeah, yeah, gamer ally. That's Wish right. him the best. Wish you guys the best. Yeah, no, it's been an exciting year. I feel like even though it's been very eventful so far, we're still towards the end of the bad part, the worst part. So, uh, yeah. I'm Famous well. last words. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to 2021. Yeah, you might, you might be jinxing us now. <laughs> Remember when we thought that was the end of the bad part and not the beginning of the truly, truly horrible part? Wow. I mean, if you want to kick off with like some heavy stuff, that's kind of what I'm like dealing with with the people around me. Like it's just people just seem to think that like, oh, Biden taking over is the end when like this nationalistic violence is only going to get worse. I'm sorry. <laughs> just just rip off the Band-Aid. Like I just feel like everybody around me and like both, both a prefer- like a professional and personal capacity, everyone just thinks that like, as soon as Trump leaves, everything's going to be okay, at least calm down a bit. (laughs) I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I think that. So I mean, first of all, he thrives in the attention. So I think we'll be seeing a lot more of him on television, especially now that his social media accounts have been taken away. Um, And I don't even know how permanent that is. But I think as long as the door is open for him to run in 2024, like he very much has an incentive to stay in the mix. And even if he were to not run in 2024, I think he views it as advantages to his, you know, business life um, to stay relevant. And so I can, yeah, like as long as he has a platform, he'll probably keep and inflaming, you know, his supporters, and we should be prepared for that. Although, isn't there a chance that he might get prosecuted once out of office? I mean, it feels like there are state AGs, at least, that are, like, chomping at the bits. Uh, And I'm thinking here particularly of New York and maybe California for some of the fraudulent dealings that did come to light during his presidency and didn't really make a splash, but... You know, ProPublica had all these revelations and the New York Times about his taxes, um, all sorts of shady deals. I wonder if that 
if like if like that comes around to actually bite him, then you know that's one way that he might lose his pulpit, and we might get a little piece from him at least. Well, that's kind of interesting too, because like, um, I've I've <clears throat> consistently been one of these people that is just I have just assumed that there will be no consequences for Trump or really anyone that rises to that level of like wealth and power and privilege in the United States, where it just basically seems like crime then becomes legal. Um, <laughs> so I was always imagining that none of that would ever come to fruition, but that's the kind of interesting thing about the aftermath of these, uh, this riot at the Capitol, this kind of attempted insurrection, uh, the stupid coup, whatever you want to call it. Um, it seems like he's kind of overplayed his hand a little bit here and has now actually exposed himself to maybe some legitimate consequences that he p- probably would not have been facing otherwise. Right. One question I have, though, is I guess I, I don't I don't spend time on the right wing uh, posting boards and on parlor or anything like that because I, I love myself. Um, but <laughs> I can't tell like how much like whether the movement would survive without him. You know, I can't tell if he's sort of the messiah of it and if he goes down his most ardent supporters will have less of a reason to show up in DC and to like storm their local capitals every few months. Um, I just, I just can't tell, like, is the movement kind of independently growing? Yeah. There's gotta be other figures to pick up the mantle though. Like they're like, it's, he's certainly going to be a player, but then the, the, that's going to be impacted by McConnell kind of consolidating power. Like if he entertains this idea of impeachment, um, there's going to be a consolidation around McConnell because, I mean, he's going to actually have legitimate power in D.C. And if they do impeach Trump, it certainly kneecaps him and then it makes McConnell more powerful. At this point, it's like it is – it's a win-win for McConnell to to vote to convict Trump. I'm not saying he will. I mean I think he is ultimately an evil person. So he's going to make some calculation and the end result is whatever – advantages him and the Republican Party more, whether that's letting Trump off the hook and, and just kind of coasting um, or kneecapping Trump and, and voting to convict, consolidating power behind himself. I mean, they're going to have some cost-benefit analysis, I'm sure, to see what furthers their their party and their apparatus more. But I mean, it's a pretty unique circumstance because McConnell's like kind of playing God for the Republican Party. That said, Holly and, and Cruz are waiting in the wing to pick up this kind of fervent nationalistic base. Yeah. And also, like you mentioned, what's going to happen with his base if he does go down, if he does face any serious consequences for this. And I think it's it's going to be the same thing as what we've seen with the the fact that he lost the election, which is that, you know, it's like it's it's like cult shit, like when prophecy fails stuff where you imagine that that would prove to some people that he's not the kind of like God emperor that they made him out to be, but this will just kind of get folded into the the Trump mythology even more. And it will become even more of an excuse for these people to double down on all their exact beliefs. And especially if he does become the, like a martyr figure. I mean, that's, that's uh, he doesn't even need to be there in order for the movement to continue to grow because if he becomes this martyr to the movement, then they can then build the, the whole mythology around that as well. But Vanessa, um, like that was the main thing that happened this week, right? Uh, was impeachment. Um, what's, what's your kind of immediate take on that? Um, was that, uh, do you think that was a necessary thing to do? Is it all just kind of boring liberal political theater? 
I saw I saw all sides on represented on the in the discourse this week. So where did you land on that? I you know I think I started out in the camp of you know it didn't make a lot of sense to me that with just a couple of weeks left in uh, Trump's presidency that he would be impeached. I didn't it felt really symbolic, and I think there's value to that. But I I was sort of wondering, practically speaking, what are the effects of this why does it matter it's a little slap on the wrist and then he won't get convicted by the senate and then biden comes in on the 20th anyway um but i think other people kind of changed my mind pointed out that if the senate does convict they could sort of impose an injunction on him and prevent him from running in 2024 which i think would be good and important um, and we'd force the Republicans to have to look for another charismatic leader who isn't universally hated at the moment. Um, and I think another effect of that that was pointed out to me is that he wouldn't have, if he gets removed, he, you know, sort of wouldn't have command of the military for his last few days. He's proven to be someone willing to sort of escalate. He said he's not going to attend the inauguration um, of Joe Biden. So, sir, you know, who knows what he's thinking? We don't know what he's thinking because he's off Twitter and everything he thinks he spews directly into that website. But now that he's gone, it's really a black hole. Um, so it does seem like there is some use to impeaching. That said, with the maneuver that McConnell is now putting forth where he's laying the groundwork so that the trial won't happen until Biden is already in power. You know, I I think that'll still be useful, but then you kind of lose the um, the benefits of removing him in his last days. Um, so I, I don't know, as long as, honestly, as long as, if they want to impeach, that's fine. Just get the other shit done as well, right? Get checks out to people um get things moving so that when Kamala and Joe Biden come into power um you know they can actually vote on some meaningful bills right away yeah the the final days having control over the military in the final days is especially uh critical right now because as we've seen overtures from Pompeo it looks like they're gearing up for some aggression whether that's a direct strike or aiding israel in their strike of iran that seems to be the the plan that seems to be the exit strategy Wait, start a conflict in iran oh it's already Why happening not? so pompeo was seen the other day with the head of Mossad. uh he has basically like made it clear like this is what they're this is what they're looking at uh last night or two nights ago uh israel bombed iran backed uh, troops in Syria, and then it came out today that Israel is is gearing up for a direct strike on Iran. So it is very clear, and, and also uh, in the report on the on the Syria strike, it was it was it was made clear that that's what Pompeo and the head of Mossad were talking about. It was they're sharing intel, and uh, this is at Cafe Milano in D.C. They're sharing intel uh, uh, about this strike in advance and. The U.S. supported it, and now Israel is considering striking Iran because they're just, they're trying to wipe out facilities that they believe is going to be for enriching uh, weapons-grade uranium. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's I, I I think it made more sense under the idea that he could possibly be removed from office um, in the next couple of days, which obviously is off the table now. But I think for me, my take on it was just that it's it's like impeaching him is just kind of the least you can do. Um, you know, just if you're the president and you incite a violent riot that almost gets a bunch of elected officials killed, you just you just get impeached. I mean, it's probably good to just set that precedent. Um uh, it also, I mean, it adds to that historical record. Like you, we've seen how like people like Ronald Reagan have been kind of rehabilitated by liberals, like not just by, he's been kind of sanctified by conservatives, but liberals were often talk about how they, much they respect him and how he was like, you know, different than the bad orange man. And it's going to be more difficult to, to do that in the future um, with, with being the only now American president that's been impeached twice. Um and yeah, so I, I did kind of support that goal just as a bare minimum thing you can do to uh, to uh, you know have some hold him accountable for for his actions. It was extremely uh, tedious and mind melting to watch the <laughs> seven six seven hours of impeachment proceedings, though, which I I did um, uh, on Twitch, and you had just it was just this nonstop back and forth between uh, Republicans making this kind of bad faith false equivalency between the the Capitol riot uh stupid coup and the the Black Lives Matter protests over the course of the summer and trying to kind of equate these two things. And then on the Democrat side, I mean there was some okay speeches during that that proceedings, but they were very few and far between. Most of it was like this kind of soaring rhetoric about America being the shining city on the hill for the world and the sacred American democracy and the, the sacred United States Capitol where all these wonderful things happen, which just, you know, made me feel sick. Um, <laughs> so it was extremely painful to watch, but I did I I did just support the the immediate goal of impeaching him after what he did, just as a kind of a bare minimum consequence for that. I've also seen I've seen it floated that, I mean, I, had, I I have no idea how Congress works, obviously. It's just, it's so many rules, so many options. But I guess one option is that members of the House can vote to remove other members. Um, and, I mean, I hope that happens. I can't tell if that's something Nancy Pelosi would get behind. I feel like she hasn't said much about it, but... The reports, we know who was very outspoken, you know, in the week leading to um, the semi, like the faux coup, Ted Cruz, you know, from the Senate, but also all these House members who are definitely riling support, supporters on. I saw a report that... Or Boebert, who was li- actually live tweeting Pelosi's location during this uh, event. You yeah, know. and then the day before the incident, three, um, I guess three members of the House appears to be giving a tour of Congress to people who were then clearly present on the 6th, um, almost like a recon tour. They've been yeah. accused of doing that. I mean, there are definitely grounds for removing some of these people. I just, I wonder if there's any support behind it. Do you guys think it makes sense is it is it anti-democratic to remove your peers if they were voted in (laughs) i mean for the there has to be some sort of standard you know i i don't honestly give a shit about like the arguments that people made like oh do you want to like i feel like the left is getting too bogged down in 
what they perceive as like kind of like lib brain calling it a coup or calling it an uh, insurrection, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I do dis- I disagree with like the liberal mainstream that they need some sort of uh, basically Patriot Act two in response to criminalize this behavior. I mean, it's already illegal, but I do think at some point you shouldn't be able to, uh, you know, aid people who end up like trying to storm the Capitol and, and kill members of Congress, like without consequence. That's just, that's madness. And that's what happened. I mean, I think we're going to see hopefully some sort of like commission investigating everything that happened, whether or not that's going to be effective or not remains to be seen. But like the, the one alarming thing is in advance, ripping out the panic buttons in, uh, I believe it was Presley's office. What I mean, that just seems like there's no justification for doing so, especially when they weren't notified. So it seems to be deliberate. It wasn't just some technical uh, malfunction that maintenance was taken care of. And like, it doesn't seem to be the case. Like that seems deliberate and malicious. Like there's animus behind it. These are things that are extremely troubling. And whether or not you you like Republicans, uh, it just you shouldn't like there shouldn't you shouldn't give them a pass uh, f- for doing this. I I, we, I I think we can mostly agree, and a rational observer would agree. That's just not how we want our our, our government to to operate because it's only going to descend into madness from there if we if we try to make. Uh, if we try to make exceptions that the, the, the justification I've seen from a lot of people who dismiss it is, Oh, well, we don't even have a democracy anyway. This isn't some sh- like, this isn't some like, uh, Oh, what this, this isn't some like demo- democratic utopia that we, we believe it to be. That doesn't mean that we also want it to descend into, into chaos. At least, at least I don't more so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of the chilling thing about this whole thing is that I think, you know, we saw it unfold last week. And we talked a little bit uh, last week about how it was very easy to dismiss because of the very ridiculous elements, the the MAGA dads and gam gams and loser streamers that were involved. Um, but I think that's been the kind of disturbing thing about as more details of it have leaked out, which is that there were in, in that mix a kind of a serious group of people that did have a legitimate plan to kill elected officials and definitely seem to have been getting help from other elected officials, from the Capitol Police, from other people within the kind of law enforcement or, uh, you know, intelligence community. Uh, it's like really, really disturbing. And that's that's actually one reason that I think uh, conservatives are so eager to like turn the page on this and are now pleading for like unity and want this to just be kind of dropped because I think the more this investigation digs into what was actually going on here, a lot more kind of explosive stuff is probably going to be revealed. And yeah, I think that's, it's very odd because I've seen like for anyone that suggests like, damn, we should probably do something about this. Like we should put the, either the members of Congress that incited it, maybe we should do something about this sort of like swamp of right wing misinformation. That's like allowing these things to fester and like radicalizing people, radicalizing these extremists. And it seems like, for any kind of proposal and not even like a concrete proposal, but for anyone that says like, Oh, we should probably do something about this. There's a bunch of people kind of saying, well, well, you're just, you're just uh, advocating for Patriot act too. And uh, that, that I don't really agree with. Cause I just don't, I, I don't really see what the solution is, but to try and either hold people accountable that were responsible for this number one, and maybe try and prevent such, such incidents from happening in the future. I think you can have, you can agree to that while also saying, like, I don't think the U.S. should enact a bunch of new draconian uh, security laws in order to prevent it. But, like, I don't think I don't exactly think just, like, turning your shoulder and doing nothing about this festering issue of right-wing extremism is really a good option either. 
I, I yeah, I think you could you can kind of parse it. Yeah, I don't think we we need to to have some sort of legislation in response further criminalizing behavior that's already illegal. Um, but like we we like at what point to some to some of these people at what point is it okay to take this seriously? I don't. I realize there's just kind of like some performative nihilism on the left, but also just like it's like it's a. You're allowed to think this kind of stuff is bad, like at a at a general <laughs> basic level. You're and allowed seems to think like, Ilan Omar shouldn't get murdered. Yeah, That's exactly. Okay. I, I, I I I struggle to think of someone who had a a larger target on her than Ilhan Omar, and for someone who's so outspoken about ideals that we all share, and who is probably the most effective person in speaking to the horrors of American imperialism. I don't think we all want her to die. I think it's okay to to say that. Well, and even like Mike Pence, who is like one of the main targets of these people, it doesn't mean you like Mike Pence when you say like, I don't think Mike Pence should be like strung up in front of the U.S. Capitol building, like by a mob. Know, I don't, th- you know, it's the it's yeah, it's the U.S. government. Obviously, the U.S. government is responsible for for murdering and immiserating people all around the globe. It's not the sacred institute of democracy or shining city on the hill or whatever people want to say. But that doesn't mean that if a mob goes and strings up Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence, that that's going to like improve that situation in any way. Like I think. That it's really a good argument that would make a lot of things worse in the United States and not actually better, you know? <laughs> well, getting pretty political here, Rob. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, apparently this is a controversial take now. I just don't. I, I get, I'm just, I'm finding myself just breaking from, from the prevailing narrative, I suppose. It's just like, it just seems so, it seems so clear. Like this is just going to descend further into chaos if these things happen. And especially if they happen without any retribution. And I just, well, I guess I guess I'm at odds with people. I'm curious. I mean, I think we all agree that there shouldn't be a patriot, patriotic, sorry, Patriot Act number two in response to last week's incidents. Um, I was surprised by some of the reactions that I saw to uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, taking away the president's account and uh, really coming down on the QAnon spreading um, accounts, um, which cost, you know, Barry Weiss 4,000 followers. Uh, <laughs> very serious. But I... Censorship. I don't know. There, there, there's, a, there's a strain of reaction on the left that's like the platforms shouldn't have this much power. Um, but then the next step seems to be like that ends in one of one of two ways either we have platforms that do no moderation um and that in itself is a myth because apparently even parlor has some kind of moderation so like this idea that there are platforms that have no moderation is mostly a myth um social media platforms rather um and then option two is i'm seeing some lefties say well, we should nationalize Facebook or Twitter. But but like if you nationalize it, that means the government controls it. And the reason why people are using Signal, for instance, is because they're very concerned about the government having a backdoor to their tweeting, their DMs, their drafts, um, all sorts of thoughts that you could have in there. 
So it seems kind of kind of in conflict with other principles that I thought we held on the left, which is like we should we should be you know, we should ask much of our government, but we should also be skeptical, particularly when it comes to issues of privacy. And like, I don't see a world in which the government would run Twitter and and that Twitter would be like a free for all where you could see everything you wanted. Like that's, well, that's dreamland. Like that yeah. would never happen. Well, and also like, how, like how close would, would we say that the, the U in the United States left is to like taking over and nationalizing these big multi-billion dollar tech companies, I would venture to say, like, not really. That's not going to be happening anytime soon. So if you're saying, like, oh, no. And and this is the tricky thing about this situation is that I agree. These weird Silicon Valley tech bro freaks should not be the arbiters of what constitutes speech and what's, a, what's acceptable speech and what isn't. Uh, you know, that's a shitty situation. But also, this is, like, undeniably true. This, like, right-wing radicalization pipeline that we've seen on Facebook, on YouTube, on different uh, social networks has been like radicalizing thousands, if not millions of like people into these extremist movements. It's leading to like extremely violent events like the, the mosque shooting in Quebec city, like the, the, the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh, like the Walmart shooting in El Paso, like the mosque shooting in Christchurch. Like this is happening over and over again. Yeah. And there's these tech companies have a direct responsibility for radicalizing these like extremely violent, unhinged individuals. And like, I don't think like leading that, letting that continue unabated is like a really good option. Yeah. And the really violent examples are good, but there's also another way in which they're really harmful. I mean, you look at like the anti-vax communities, these are not harmless yeah. groups you know like hundreds of kids are contracting measles in southern california because facebook is allowing these groups of like hundreds of thousands of people to just like spread misinformation that has like a real material impact on public health yeah or with or with coronavirus as well like all the anti-mask anti-lockdown mm -hmm. stuff like the social media companies are like not only like allowing these groups to form and and spread this message and this misinformation to millions of people, uh, but they're directly profiting from it as well. Like this is really not a good situation that does need to be addressed somehow. The, this these are perfect examples and and underscore the larger issue. The larger issue is not a lack of moderation. Uh, I mean th that's a symptom, but the problem is these these companies have completely unchecked, unaccountable. Uh, uh, opaque proprietary algorithms that that fuel all this, that push people toward reactionary content and towards more and more extreme content because it's like new and sensational. And when we're all just you know nihilistic and broken and and detached and atomized, that makes us feel something good or bad. It makes us feel something, and in turn, that makes us stay on these apps longer, and it manipulates human behavior to keep them on the app longer so it's more profitable so it's it's a it's a mixture of uh unaddressed capitalism capitalism in general but just unaddressed uh issues within this system this toxic parasitic system and also opaque proprietary algorithms that no outside uh arbiter or 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 uh, oversight or watchdog or or anything has any insight into so we have no idea to the extent people are being manipulated we could speculate we could gauge by behavior and effects and all this kind of stuff. But the problem is these companies like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and so forth have these bizarre algorithms that are completely un unchecked and, and outside of any sort of purview. 
Um, that's that's extremely alarming, and it, it is the problem underscoring all of this is capitalism. Yeah, well, that's that's definitely the tricky thing about this moment is that I like I do feel like this is a in terms of these like this right wing extremism this in the United States, but this is like a global this is like an international right wing movement that's been leading to violent incidents like all over the world, and it is something that has to be addressed, and it's really it's strange because. You know, I don't I don't claim to have the answers because, yeah, I don't think we should empower tech companies more. I don't think we should be empower the certainly the national security establishment uh, ghouls in the United States more. Uh, but I also don't think just leaving this problem to continue to fester and continue to like get worse uh, is really an option. And uh, that's well, that's another argument that that people have been saying, like, oh, if you if you know, if you empower uh, lawmakers to go after these people, they're going to they're going to come after the left, too. But it's like, well, that's that is already happening. Yes, that is already happening currently. (laughs) Um, Like, you know, uh, this this one story that I've been kind of I find myself continually thinking about um, since since the uprisings in the U.S. uh, over the course of the summer is the story of uh, Eruj Rahman. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. She's a she's a lawyer in uh, New York. She's a, a tenants' rights lawyer, so she helps low income people who are facing eviction. And over the course of the the protests in the summer, uh, she was accused of allegedly throwing a Molotov cocktail into a abandoned police car, which had been abandoned. It was already vandalized, um, and she's now facing potentially life in prison for this. And it's like, that's kind of the, what I find myself struggling with is like, yeah, I think the people that, that storm the U.S. Capitol should definitely be held accountable for that. And the idea that that suggesting that, oh, yeah, they should probably be facing time for some of these things, like that's somehow magically going to be turned, eventually going to be turned back towards like people on the left, people that we cared about. This is already, this is already an ongoing thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's already happening. Uh, and really, I think what the ask is, it's not to pass Patriot Act 2.0. It's not to give them more more billions of dollars. It's just to ask them to redirect some of their resources that they're currently using towards this like very serious issue of right wing extremism. I think you can advocate for that without, you know, s- suggesting that, uh, uh, you know, America needs to get past even tougher laws for domestic terrorists or they need even more money. I was just, I just had the word grim, like going in front of my eyes over and over. (laughs) Um, But I, I mean, I largely agree with you that, you know, there's, there's nothing that happened on Wednesday that you can't prosecute under existing laws. And anybody who's like pushing really hard for some new national security expansion to me is like, I mean, it's one of the clearest examples of like the shock doctrine, right? Like you wait until there's chaos and heightened emotions and fears and you push the thing you always wanted to push to like expand the power of the state or your own side's grip on, on power. So yeah, we should be really weary of it and absolutely not get behind it. (laughs) And yeah, I totally understand people being preemptively anxious about the idea that they're going to expand the national security establishment because, you know, people like Joe Biden have traditionally like not needed a whole lot of excuses to continually empower these exact people. Um, But like, for instance, like I've seen AOC talking about, you know, hopefully holding some of these people accountable. And I see immediately people saying, well, now AOC, she's gone full like national security establishment. She's advocating for Patriot Act too, even though she specifically says, no, I don't want any, any new laws or anything like that. Um, 
but it's there's it's become this kind of like uh, you know a, a way to get credibility in part of the online left uh, community is to just immediately go after her for like every single thing she says uh, and that's been one example of it it's you know? very fashionable to call AOC a sellout and I don't know if she is or not like I don't I don't really care about like what's in people's hearts you know the question is have they proven themselves open to our ideas do they listen can they be pushed like we don't need AOC to be our best friend we don't even need her to be a perfect example of a DSA politician for us to like see the value of having her mostly on our side you know so I guess I don't see I don't really see the point of like singling her out as much as it seems to happen these days as like this particularly I mean just the other day I saw like some image on Twitter that placed her as eh, actually it was today that it like was today yeah it was today <laughs> that like labeled her as a centrist and then to the right of her was Kyle Rittenhouse um uh-huh. and Nancy Pelosi and I was like new political course. compass just dropped of course yeah. <laughs> like, we, okay, we're well, all saying this <laughs> Yeah, I just, I feel like we have to kind of pick our enemies. And I feel like, you know, a lot of politicians are, have made really clear that they're not interested in listening to new voices. And AOC is not, is not like that. So if we think, if we think she's wrong on a particular policy that is like close to our heart, she is actually someone that you can kind of, lobby you know and 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 we have more access to her than we do to a lot of politicians you know through our networks um so it just seems to me really silly to even like write her off like it's fine if you disagree with her but like why not just stick to making the best arguments for the thing you believe in and and try to convince her because she's actually someone who can be moved i just we just love talk about cancel culture. Like we just love discarding our own and it's so childish and short-sighted. She is one of like four or five people in Congress total who will agree with you like 95% of the time. This person's not our enemy. It's, it's like, I don't sure it gets you plaudits from like certain segments of the internet. If you insist that, that she is, but then you go for it. That's what you want. It's just, that's not a serious criticism. I just, I, I, it, it, it's mind blowing that we're at this point where someone who's been in Congress one term has championed legislation that we all agree and co-sponsored and introduced legislation that we all agree is vital to, to surviving beyond another generation. Um, that is the person that they want to pick fights with. It's just because she's a lightning rod. She is, She's got a huge platform. She's got a spotlight on her. It's just that's the that's the person people fixate on. Um, yeah. In the end, she's not much different than Rashida Tlaib or or uh, Ilhan Omar, but they they single her out as as the enemy or as performative because she gets a lot of uh, press. It's it's weird. It's just yeah. It's, it's an aesthetic to you if that's, if that's your view. Yeah. yeah, it's contrarian. It's just you you just see things in aesthetics and not substance, and that's a you problem. Because that's they're they're voting pretty much the same on just about everything, with a few breaks here and there. 
Yeah, and listen, I don't want to be. I don't want this podcast, or I don't want me personally to be part of the the squad defense force or anything like yeah. that. It's too late. <laughs> like, you just you know, sent me your <laughs> membership card. Like, you, yeah, you, I just I got it laminated. And a poster you um, photoshopped yourself in. Yeah, you know, but the, you know they're fucking they're members they're f- of the Democratic Party. Like, of course, they're not going to be the perfect communist that you want them to be, right? Yeah, they're also uh, pretty kind of ex- junior, right? Yeah, That's yes, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to recognize someone who's even like somewhat your ally with some of these fights. Like even if you <laughs> even if you don't agree with the, with you know on every single thing, and certainly she's done things that I found were disappointing or I didn't agree with. But like you can still recognize that this is someone who's like at least moderately an ally of of what there is of the, of the left in the United States. But like, going back to the capital thing, that's another thing that I saw people fixating on, where she was saying like you know I'm okay, and I was talking about how she was like scared for her life, and people were kind of like shitting on her for it and it's just like it's unbelievable it's like with the amount of like what i'm sure are an incredible number of death threats and threats of violence that she probably receives on a daily basis and the fact that there's armed people coming into her place of work um who definitely have the intentions to to do harm to her or other elected officials like yeah i think it was pretty legitimate that she would be kind of nervous in that situation um, I mean, it was an active shooter situation at one point. They were like, they had no idea what was going on. They were locked in a room. You know, people are out to get you. You start to see things online, and it becomes increasingly more and more alarming. And you know, you have a target on your back. It's okay to be worried about your safety. Like I've talked about it very sparingly, but like I've mentioned it on the show before. Like I was swatted once, and it's still. Wow. This was like seven or eight years ago now, and I still get nervous when I hear knocks on the door. It's like it's it will fuck with you for a very long time. And what they dealt with was way worse than what I got. I had four cops at my door. They had thousands of people, many of them armed, smashing windows to get in. You have no idea what's happening. Yeah. Like I talked I talked online a couple months ago about how after the whole Andy No milkshake incident, (laughs) the famous infamous concrete milkshake incident. And I kind of made fun of Andy No online uh, for when that happened. And I almost immediately received some like very graphic threats um, against my family. And uh, I still think about that probably every single day. And when I, I didn't, I took me probably a year to even work up the mental fortitude to even share this with people. And when I did, it brought back a bunch of things. I had a full on like panic attack in my, on my kitchen floor. Um, and this is a very, mi- again, this is like a very minor thing, very minor in the scope of the probably detailed uh, and lengthy threats that, that uh, left-wing politicians or left-leaning politicians like AOC <laughs> or Ilhan Omar get on a, on a daily basis. And so that's why it's just, I, people just immediately discarding that and saying that she's being she's overreacting or that she's, she's making about herself to, to claim that, you know, this was a dangerous situation. I mean, it absolutely was a dangerous situation. Right. And yeah. it's, and it's it, you know, it's, it's no wonder that she's, she's, you know, calling for consequences for the people that were involved, including her colleagues and including the police that were there, which she, she indicated that she kind of felt threatened by at certain points. Yeah. And she hinted at how frightened she was or she admitted how frightened she was on her Instagram live, but without giving a ton of details. And then a few hours later, it came out that Ayana Presley, her husband, and I think a staff member were in her office, like in Presley's office at the time. And each congressperson, I guess, has a panic button or more than one panic button in their office. And Presley's had been torn out completely multiple panic buttons had been torn out um, very much like 
on purpose. She had she hadn't changed offices. She said. Um, and she had used the panic buttons before. So it's not like they had always been torn out or always been defective. And it's very possible, right, that AOC was privy to those details, like really soon after this happened to Presley, right? Like she has more information than we do. And I just think it's very strange to have like a knee-jerk reaction, assuming that everything you've seen on TV is like the full amount of information on the situation. Um and just based yeah. on that, to be really like, I, I don't, it's just such a strange reaction. Like, I feel like people who are basically making fun of AOC or Presley or anyone else for being scared are like low key announce it that announcing that if it were them, they would not be scared. Okay, dude, congratulations. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, so don't fucking care. Yeah. Right. Like, good for you. Like, why are you? <laughs> it's even funnier because you know they're lying. <laughs> Like, you know, yeah. if they were in, a, if they had a mob of thousands of people breaking into a building to get at them, you know, they would be scared. Like, it's, it's, it's so funny to see the performative, like, machismo on Twitter. Yeah, like, RIP, but I'm different. Like, no, you would be, you would be mortified. You might even be more scared than them. Right. What's the name of the guy who was particularly making fun of her? Michael. What's his name? <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. Uh, oh, I know who that. you're talking about. You, you know, know who I'm Michael talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm Rob knows. Rob love knows. him. Um, he's the one who got like lightly pushed by Maxine Waters and just like lost his shit. Well, I recall her power bombing him through a table. So that's, <laughs> that was pretty. <laughs> I was <laughs> just was thinking like that is quite absolutely the kind of person who would like cross the street if we were on the same sidewalk and it was just like slightly dark. You know, like Michael yeah. Tracy, that's who that is. Like being so nonchalant about what happened to AOC. And it's just like your reaction to an elderly black woman tells me everything I need to know about your courage. You I, so, I, yeah, I've talked to him um, about that specifically. And like he oh. admitted like on his on his podcast, so it's like it's out there. And he admitted he's like, yeah, I, I overreacted. But like he's cognizant of the pushback, and like he he obviously he gets uh, enraged by it when people bring it up. But like I did find that to be very humorous because like of all people to to act like this wasn't an issue, I don't necessarily think he was in a position to do that. <laughs> right, <laughs> that yeah. was very funny. Yeah, I tried to engage Michael in in good faith on this because like I was like, well, you know you really don't think it was any possibility at all that any lawmakers were in actual danger? Like there's plenty of evidence to suggest that there was people in that crowd that were, had absolutely every intention of, of harming whoever they got their hands on. Uh, and that's the thing when you, when you, when you take that crowd and that incident and you boil, you just look at the weirdos and freaks and, and completely harmless losers and gam gams that were there. I keep saying gam gams and it's mm. funny to me, the MAGA gam gam, but you're, <laughs> you're literally doing the job of the right wing extremists. They count on these kind of people in their movement to give them cover uh to like to have people uh, discount their very very serious uh and nefarious things that they're trying to pull off there yeah he didn't answer me though he didn't have an answer for that unfortunately well i hope he gets back to you me too <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so one thing we mentioned it earlier but one thing i did want um i wanted to get vanessa's opinion on a couple things like the outlook like the road ahead how do you feel about the Georgia runoffs impacting the Senate dynamics? 
like uh, what do you think we should look for in the first 100 days? What would be significant? Uh, but also this now like walk back, this very clear walk back of their like what I thought was a pretty straightforward promise uh, in in the runoffs and in the run up to the runoffs was, hey, if Warnock and Ossoff win, it's two thousand dollar checks for everybody. And this promise was made. It seemed pretty clear. Yeah, yeah I thought yeah. it was pretty clear. This promise was made. After the $600 went out, January 2nd, Ossoff was still making this claim. Well, now we see uh, Biden is going to propose uh, $1,400, which would, uh, I guess, collectively be $2,000. But that wasn't quite what they were promising. It wasn't about, like, topping off the balance. Uh, but we're seeing kind of like the liberal defenders uh, storm out. It's like, oh, well, $1,400 plus $600 is $2,000, so you're still getting it. Um what, what do you make I'm sure of that's going to go over very well with uh, you know average people that <laughs> yeah. like it's a total bait and switch. It's like the reason why people hate lawyers, you know, like that kind <laughs> yeah. of mentality of like, well, I if you had looked very closely at my phrasing, you would have seen. And it's just like <laughs> fuck you, you know. It was very clear the way they phrased it. It was very clear that you should vote for the two Democrats in Georgia so that we can have the majority so that we can send you $2,000. The $600, like that happened under the Trump administration. You don't get credit for that. So to me, if you're talking mm -hmm. about $2,000, it's post the Trump administration because you're not in office at the moment. Um, right. So it just feels like a sleight of hand and I they might be winning the battles online, but like to the larger public, you're just going to look stingier than Trump. And like, if you care at all about winning over the alleged working class that the Democrats lost to Trump um, in, you know, based on economic issues. And like, I know there's a lot of debate about how large that class even is, but like one way to win those people back pretty easily, or at least to like, you know, temper down some of their um, their sort of cynicism that they're going to have going into this administration is to just give them money. So like, make good yeah. on your promise. You have the numbers. I think it needs to be $2,000 checks and it can't be a one-time deal. It needs to be monthly. We need to pay people to stay home. Well, it's a huge own goal too, because like this is part of Biden's uh, $1.9 trillion uh, plan. Um, which if you look, I'm looking at it now, there's, there's some pretty encouraging stuff in there for like working people in the United States, but because they've pulled this bait and switch, that's all anyone is going to focus on. Um, so it's just like a huge own goal right out of the gate. And also another thing I wanted to mention, I'm looking at right now, speaking of AOC, um, the sell, sellout AOC, a member of the fraud squad, uh, which is what you have to say now in order to have, to be credit, have credibility on the, uh, on the, on the cooler than cool or mm -hmm. uh, online mm -hmm. left. She, she got in touch with Jeff Stein and is saying $2,000 means $2,000. It does not mean $1,400. So Ooh, great. she's okay, in okay. there advocating for hopefully pushing them to to increase that. But yeah, it is, it is kind that. of an own goal. It's, it's just, it's so disingenuous. They know deep down that it's <laughs> like, it's just, I, I hate this, but it's like, it is, it's, it's gaslighting. You yes. know, at the end of the day, yes. that, that that's not what they were claiming. They were claiming $2,000 after 600 was passed, plain and simple, period. If you don't like it, that's your problem. Like, quit defending this kind of shit. It, it, it is indefensible. You know what they promised. Yeah, but also, moving forward, I, I think 
the thing that I'm kind of focusing on right now, and I'm not sure where you two uh, land on this, is the the further possibility of of right wing violence in the next couple of weeks. And of course, uh, Donald Trump now has put out a statement now that he's actually got consequences uh, coming down the pipe uh, for you know encouraging this mob. Of course, he got booted off social media. He lost the, the golf thing was, I guess, a big thing for Donald. He was not very happy about that. <laughs> yeah. So now he's like now he's he's going out and putting the statement and saying, no, no one should commit violence or acts of vandalism or anything like that. And I think for a little while, uh, for a little while, I was thinking like this would have an effect of probably uh, taking the wind out of the sails of a couple of the normies that were involved in this this movement. Um, especially when, you know, they, they stormed the Capitol and like gave up their freedom or in some cases their lives for this guy. And then he immediately goes on TV and just throws them all onto the bus and calls them Antifa and, you know, says that they're criminals. I feel like there's probably a number of people that saw that and was like, well, I should probably avoid getting involved with this further because it doesn't seem like I'm going to have quite the sort of backup that I wanted to. Um, but like I mentioned before, too, I think there are there's there's a large number of kind of right wing extremists that are going to fold whatever's happening with Trump into their mythology. It's not going to kind of tamp down their their thirst for more violence. And so I know there's there plan there's uh, there's actions that are being planned across the U.S. And I think the things that I'm really alarmed by as Biden like comes is about to take over is this element of the law enforcement community and the, you know, the national security establishment that seem to be like Trump loyalists that believe a lot of the same stuff. Um, you saw that case of the concern, the, the secret service agent who was getting reprimanded because she was posting on Facebook about how she agrees with the, the protesters. I saw a story about Biden, like their, their team are, they're trying to bring in like previous secret service agents that they know to be loyal. Um, it seems like there is a large element of of uh, the American law enforcement community that agrees with that are Trump people and that agrees with a lot of his uh, grievances about the election and about about Biden's like illegitimacy. And I feel like that's it's setting up kind of a dangerous situation. It's very um, yeah. What do you two think is going to how that how the possibility for further uh, violence or further further kind of actions like that? I don't have a quick answer, but I remember reading a couple of years ago, a really fascinating, like kind of long form article in The Intercept about how the Fbi which i know boo we hate them but sometimes they do investigate well, things unless you're the krasensteins new intercept hire you love the fbi <laughs> yeah um the fbi used to devote like you know real resources to investigating white supremacists um that have infiltrated law enforcement around the country and then that program was basically defunded if i recall right and so yeah it was defunded and you can and and over the years you know i am guessing there are more and more like uh secretly and not so secretly white supremacists uh and i'm not like using the term in like a dramatic twitter way i mean like literally like i yeah. cross tattooed on their chest like whatever you know these are their political beliefs and these people are like deeply embedded in various law enforcement officers i do think that like if the fbi must exist <laughs> and we're not gonna it's not gonna be defunded guys it's gonna be here so if it must keep busy then i think that's one area they should actually investigate and get serious about. And maybe that is something that Biden will be open to having been 
personally targeted, you know, so close to his inauguration, maybe there will be some appetite to do that, as opposed to like wasting resources on tracking BLM activists and seeing where they buy their burgers and, you know, just complete bullshit when you have actual people like doing cover-ups within police departments um, and, you know, like that people that hold political views that really make the people that they're in charge of sort of regulating really unsafe. So I don't know, but that's kind of the long game. That's not something you do overnight. It's not something that you would see results for super quickly, but I do think with some dedication, you should be able to like get to the most obvious cases. Uh, yeah, I mean that in the military, like weeding, weeding these people out of both of those, like they, they should not be given military. I mean, you have to question then if they're in there, why, uh, especially with those views, uh, as it relates to our jingoistic foreign policy, like what are they really there for? Um, so it's, it's, it's a certain level of introspection that honestly, I don't, I don't think our government's ever going to have or apply, uh, to these, to these armed forces or, uh, groups uh, whether it's the police or uh various branches of the military um i don't know I, I mentioned at the outset i don't think that i don't think that we're going to come back from this i this is like something i've been thinking about a lot and it's just when you're at this point in a society where you have these violent nationalistic factions um the response is not you know, the, or, or the, what, what follows is not necessarily good. Um, and I, I think the knee-jerk liberal reaction, whether it's a Patriot Act 2.0 or some sort of uh, grandstanding about how you actually are the true Americans and you love liberty and freedom more and that's why you're opposed to this or you love democracy more, it's like that's only going to continue to inflame things. Because these people are acting out of a perceived love of country that that led them to violence this easily because one person told them to do it. Now you're going to have – now opportunistic fascist politicians are going to see that and know that it's okay and know that there's support for it and know that you likely won't see consequences for it. So they're going to capitalize off of that and you're going to see – dozens of of lauren boberts and marjorie taylor greens and madison cawthorns um you're gonna you're gonna see uh you're gonna see many many more that they're just gonna replicate the strategy across the country and with no checks on how people get their information through these uh opaque algorithms on on social media platforms more and more people are going to be further radicalized and the violence is already pretty easy for people to justify. I was talking to a friend yesterday or a couple of days ago. It's like, what disincentive is there for people uh, to not hurt or or kill a member of Congress? I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse was valorized and he was defending a fucking gas station or whatever, a car dealership. Yeah, yeah. If they took out a member of the squad, they would be fucking gods. That's horrifying to think about, but it's just the reality yeah. we're in. They're, they've turned Kyle Rittenhouse into a martyr, and he's a murderer. Yeah. 
Well, that's the kind of that's I mean, that was kind of my thing about the the whole Trump inciting that riot in the first place was like, no, it's he didn't specifically say go to the riot, go to the go to the Capitol and tear it apart and kill Mike Pence. But he doesn't really have to. Like mm-hmm. when you tell people over and over that this election's stolen, it's fraudulent. Biden's a fraudulent president. And you have this whole vast right wing ecosystem online and in mainstream media amplifying these claims and these like misinformation. Like what what recourse do people think they have? Like that's that's the logical next step for what you think they're going to do. And there's that exact same thing. There's a whole there's a there's a whole ecosystem online, you know, telling people that that people like AOC are like enemies of the America and they and they want to like overthrow the government themselves and institute this terrible oppressive uh, socialism that wants to take everyone's everyone's rights. Like when you continually tell people that, I mean, what what other conclusion they're supposed to come are they supposed to come to about what the what they need to do about it? And um, I think that was that was the thing that I, I was struck by as well, which is that I've seen people say like, oh, if you want to deal with with um, you know, white supremacy and this like right wing extremism, you just have to you have to dismantle the economic conditions of neoliberalism that we're currently living in right now. And I just like I don't I think we do need to do that. I agree with that ultimate goal. And I think that would help in a certain way. It would help uh, lower the ability of like extremists to recruit people into their ranks. But at the same time, a lot of the people that are committing these acts of violence are trying to like violently enforce the status quo. Right. It's like they're trying they want the status quo to remain in place or to be tilted even more into their favor. And like we went over last week, a lot of the people that were participating in this capital riot were very well to do people that are not that are not economically anxious in any way. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And I guess the troubling thing about all that is like, I, I'm not sure what the fucking solution is. Um, and that's the kind of what that's why America's kind of at a dangerous moment right now, because I, I don't know what is what the solution is supposed to be to to deal with this kind of problem. It's been allowed to fester for so long that there is no kind of quick fix to kind of put this genie back in the bottle. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's through the entire history of our country. It's that's they find things that appeal to them uh, that are rooted in hate. I mean, it's a country founded on white violence. Uh, I mean, like they, like you say, Trump didn't, you know, explicitly say this is what I want, but it's all there because they, they framed it as you're defending our country, you're defending our democracy. This is a constitutional crisis. They were told, and to them, that is a system. Uh, you know that that white slaveholders through violence uh, created. So, like, it's it's just it is they appeal to these these kind of revolutionary. Uh, I don't want to say tendencies because we don't really have that kind of like a long history of it. Uh, it's like dissimilar from France, but like, I, I it's just like they they want to believe that they are continuing the legacy of the framers because fucking Facebook memes tell them so. And the way that people were playing it up at first, even day of, like Glenn Beck, as Jared talked about last last week, it's just like, oh, the color revolution is upon us. Like, And Glenn Beck has always leaned into this kind of like originalist bullshit, hollow like iconography. But this is what it ends up in. It's just people who... Oh, this is 1776. Like this, that whole shit from Lauren Boebert. Like they are, they are so unbelievably confused. But it's just they're just latching onto the violent part. Yeah. And I mean, we can't underestimate the power of disinformation, right? Like we also have mm-hmm. people who legitimately believe the election was stolen, 
Um, yeah. It was said over and over again. They're watching the news, news outlets that they think are reliable. The president is repeating the claim over and over again. Would they keep broadcasting it if it wasn't true? You know, and I, I think we can't like, so much damage has come from Fox News and OAN and the Drudge Report and all these like kind of far right outlets. Um, and I really, yeah, I really think there were people there on Wednesday who thought they were defending democracy. I think it's harder to ascribe those kinds of like motives to the people who came with zip ties and mm-hmm. uh, who placed bombs at, outside the Capitol. I think these people had other things going on, other goals. Um, but I do think like among, there were what, like a thousand people outside the Capitol at some point, a lot of like the real estate agents and the normie moms that we saw on camera, I think really drank the Kool-Aid. And that's another Absolutely. thing. Like, I don't know how we, how we fix that. Like, I think people should be more worried about what, <laughs> what kind of information Fox News has been allowed to disseminate for the last, you know, 10 to 15 years since things have gotten worse. Cause I do think there is like, there was like an escalation of misinformation that maybe wasn't there as much in the early 2000s. That to me is much more concerning, I guess, than Twitter um, taking away people's accounts. And maybe I'm super naive. Maybe my priorities aren't right, but like, Fox News has poisoned the minds of millions of people and they're going to, who fucking knows what they're going to keep broadcasting over the next four years, unless maybe the person at the top, you know, has a change of heart and decides, okay, enough is enough. But like short of that, they have no reason to, like it grows their audience. I have, I have bad news on that front. That's the truly terrifying thing about this moment, too, is that now that there's outlets like OANN and Newsmax floating around out there, now Fox News is becoming like the centrist, like liberal network. You have these right wing people that view Fox News as being part of the same like liberal media establishment. And now there's even further right, even crazier media that they're listening to. And like, I don't see where that ends, you know, um, at the top is Lachlan Murdoch. Uh, he's mostly taken over for for rupert but a troubling development uh and for the trajectory of fox tucker carlson is becoming more hands-on in overall assignment editing for the news division of fox so they've already had they've already developed a right-wing populist show that's i think steve hilton hosts on saturday nights but tucker you know has has gotten plaudits from uh more mainstream figures uh for his uh criticisms of trump even despite it being completely disingenuous because his son was fucking interning in the white house and uh this is a guy who can you know hoodwink a lot of people into thinking he's a serious commentator but in reality he's pushing you know white nationalism and uh, overt fascism and uh a right-wing form of populism that ends in people of color and marginalized groups uh on the front lines uh and i think this is a extremely troubling trajectory and that said they're going to get a lot of cover because like rob just pointed out uh oan and and newsmax and all these other outlets are crazier and they're going to get the flack because it's just it's just absolute madness there so by comparison fox will look sane but 
they will just be radicalizing a, a more mainstream right wing audience into white nationalism and, and fascism. Not great. Not great at all. Terrible. <laughs> hey, Vanessa, you want to talk to us about your book? You have a book yes, coming out, don't you? Oh, you no. leave on a, on a high note. <laughs> yeah, I have a book coming out, but it's coming out in so long. It's coming out fall 2022. Um, so it's not even available for pre-order yet. In fact, uh, instead of being on podcasts, I should be working on the book. But here we are. Uh, but I will be sure to share when we have more information. Um, I have a very, very, very long piece coming out in the next issue of n plus one which i think will be out in a two to three weeks probably so listeners Great. can look out for that and that's taken uh that essay is kind of taken from the book so it's a good preview cool awesome well th- we really appreciate that you took time out of doing your like actual serious work to <laughs> talk to us two uh yeah. jokers about this stuff <laughs> i'm procrastinating thank you so much for having me on yeah, it was Thank once you, again, it was a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban, so please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.